We have two scripture readings this morning. The first is from the book of Psalms and the second from the gospel according to Matthew. Psalm 37, the first 11 verses, and then we'll turn back to Matthew 5, or turn forward in the Bible to Matthew 5, verse 1 to 12. So Psalm 37, the first 11 verses. Of David, fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires, uh, sorry, evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the earth, the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And then we turn to Matthew 5, the first 12 verses. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So far the reading. Our text verse is verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. On one side of the court sat one of the most influential men in the world. A ruthless, ambitious, proud and arrogant. He represented all that was powerful and he seemed to have all authority. At the other end stood the accused, the man in his mid-thirties. To all appearances he was weak, but this was so very far from the truth. As these two men faced each other across that courtroom floor, the meekness of the prisoner shone forth his majesty. For as the meekest man who had ever lived faced Pontius Pilate, it was not one of the rulers of the ancient world who was in charge, but Jesus, the Son of God. His power and his authority did not come from an earthly source. It stemmed from whom he was, 
And whatever this arrogant and proud earthly ruler would do, it would be Jesus who triumphed. The meek one would indeed inherit the earth and everything else in all of the universe. Friends, Jesus lived out his life as an example to us. He lived the kingdom life. He lived with a beautiful attitude. And in the Sermon on the Mount, in what we've come to know as the Beatitudes, he explains to his followers what such a kingdom life looks like. The first four of these beautiful attitudes focus our attention on our deep and our enduring need for God. In verses 1 to 3, we learn that those who who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy, in other words, those who are poor in spirit, are the ones who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Because they recognize their dependence on God and entrust their souls to him, their reward will be eternal companionship of God himself. Last week we saw that verse 4 builds on this in the sense that, that they who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy will be so cut to their hearts that they will be mournful. They will not only mourn for the grief that their sin caused um, the Father, they'll also mourn over the sins of the world. And that mourning we saw didn't mean that they had to walk around with a long face, with teary eyes the whole day, but it does mean that that mourning does mean feeling truly sorrowful, truly repentant of your sins, and then pleading for God's forgiveness on a daily basis. And friends, being aware of our own spiritual bankruptcy and mourning because of our sins and the sins of others, this attitude should lead us to an attitude of meekness. That's what the third and third beautiful attitude is all about. It's about living a life characterized by meekness. So what does this meekness mean? What does it mean to be meek? How does it work out, play out in our lives? What does it mean that the meek will inherit the earth? Blessed are the meek, says Jesus. We've seen that in these beautiful attitudes, being blessed means being approved by God. It means receiving God's favor. So we could say, truly favored are those who are meek. Truly favored by God are those who are meek. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but I really want to be approved by God. I really want to have God's face shine upon me, his face of approval shine on me. I really want him to one day say to me, truly favoured you are, because you've been meek. I think it's something that we all ought to strive for. And to be honest, it's something that we all desperately need. For without God's approval, there is no hope. Without God's approval, there is no hope. And all this being meek stuff flows out from the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. It is both something that drives us to Christ, and it's an outflowing of our salvation in Christ. It's a demonstration, or if you like, a proof of our salvation. So what does it then practically mean to be meek? You know, our, our culture has a very specific but a very wrong perception of what meek means. If you look at modern dictionaries, you get synonyms such as tame, timid, bland, weak, spiritless, even repressed and suppressed. 
But friends, please do not, please do not confuse meekness with weakness. Being meek does not mean that you are a doormat for someone else. It has nothing to do with cowardice or timidity. It has nothing to do with shyness or with being a wimp or a, in old words, namby-pamby. It doesn't mean lacking in confidence. It doesn't mean being an introvert. It doesn't even mean being nice or likable. It doesn't mean that you are someone who can be pushed over by a hard slap of a wet noodle. We only have to look at the example of Jesus. He certainly didn't lack confidence, did he? He wasn't timid or spiritless or tame or bland or repressed or suppressed. He definitely wasn't anyone's doormat. In fact, the meekest man who ever lived was innately strong. The word that's been translated as meek has a, has a range of meanings in, in ancient, ancient Greek. In the wider context and wider literature, it meant being mild or gentle or soft. It also means considerate or courteous. The Apostle Peter gives us a very good idea of its meaning when he, when he discusses the relationship between husband and wife, when he says, Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That gentle is the same word in Greek. A meek and quiet spirit, if you like, which in God's sight is very precious. The word gentle is the same word in Greek. Gentleness is at the heart of meekness. And this gentle, gentleness doesn't just apply to relationships between husbands and wives. It applies to our relationship with others as well. In our homes, at work, at play, and yes, even here in the church. In our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, in how we act towards each other, how we talk to each other, and how we talk about each other as well. Gentleness is at the heart of meekness. And this is crucial, friends, for meekness has to do with our salvation as well as our sanctification. Listen to what the Apostle James says. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Meekness means having a disposition characterized by gentleness rather than one that's characterized by an angry nature, one which lets you get riled up quickly. Meekness or gentleness implies self-control. The book of Proverbs puts it this way, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. James also says, who is wise and understanding among you, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. The Apostle Paul also uses the same word when he, when he says to the Ephesians, I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Brothers and sisters, meekness is the opposite of aggressiveness. 
It stands in stark contrast with egocentricity or a focus on self-interest. It seeks the interest of others. It seeks unity. It seeks peace. And such a meek disposition flows from those first two beautiful attitudes. For if you understand and you feel your need for God, you will not be brash. You will realize that you can't be egocentric or of an angry disposition. You wouldn't want to be like the the village people of old said, a macho, macho man. I thought about saying a macho, macho woman, but that doesn't quite work, does it? But it does the same thing applies. If we understand and feel our need for God, we will not be brash, we will not be egocentric, we will not be of an angry disposition. We'd be focused on what is good for others, rather thirstily on what is good for ourselves. Listen to what Jesus says after condemning the lack of repentance by the people in the town where most of his mighty works had been done. He said, Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. It is in the way that Jesus lived and acted that we find the best description of what meekness looks like in practice. It is from his example that we must learn. But being meek doesn't mean being someone who says, oh, you know, come on, walk right over me. It's okay. I don't recall a single example of where the meekness that Jesus was characterized with, where that was exhibited with people walking all over him. Rather, meekness means saying, let me walk a mile or two for you. That's certainly what Jesus did for you and me. He walked all the way to the cross to die for our sins so that we would not be eternally separated from God. And that's undoubtedly a big walk. Our servant king walked that road with meekness, with a servant heart. Meekness or gentleness is evidenced by a servant heart. Being meek means being willing to serve. In the, book of, in the words of Book of Worship 434, we are pilgrims on a journey. We're brothers on the road here to help each other and walk the mile and bear the load. That is meekness. Living out a heart of servanthood, placing others ahead of yourself, looking at their interests rather than your own interests first. There can be no doubt that that meekness and serving goes hand or go hand in hand. And folks, we need to keep in mind that meekness, meekness is accompanied by a genuine humility, a genuine dependence on God, for it stems from trust in God's goodness. It stems from trust in God's control over the situation. Our gentle Lord Jesus displayed this trust that, that's part and parcel of meekness. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he did not make threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Even in the throes of death, yes, even in the throes of death, he asked his father to forgive those 
putting him to death. That is meekness. Having the virtue of meekness also means refusing to engage in conduct that, that merely advances your personal aims. If you are gentle or meek, then you're not going to be focused on yourself. Instead of trying to dominate or trying to overpower others, those who are meek rest their entire hope on God and they serve him also by serving others rather than serving themselves. But please note, please note that this does not mean that we cannot or should not confront falsehood. It doesn't mean we must keep quiet when, when we're confronted with things that are opposed to or in conflict with God's word. It does mean we must confront, we must speak out against such things with a gentle and compassionate attitude, a gentle spirit, a gentle attitude. And that doesn't mean just prefacing a hurtful comment with something like, I'm telling you in this, this in love, and then blasting away nevertheless. No, friends, meekness has to be sincere. It must come from a servant heart. It cannot come from a desire to have things done our way. It cannot come from a desire to be, to be viewed as the saviour of a particular situation. It cannot come from the desire for authority or from pushing your own barrow, as it were. If I had to try and summarise what meekness means in three points, I'd say meekness has everything to do with being gentle, courteous and considerate instead of combative, abrasive, argumentative or arrogant. It has everything to do with humility, sincerity and placing others ahead of yourself and nothing to do with being domineering or just plain macho. It has nothing to do with advancing your your own position and everything to do with serving God and trusting in his goodness and his control over all things. At the end of the day, isn't this why we are here to serve God? Isn't that why we are here to serve God and to do so with all humility and in trust, with a poverty of spirit, with a heart mourning for our sin grieves God and with an attitude of meekness. So if that's what it means to be meek, is there any benefit? Is there any benefit to being meek? Or to put it another way, what are the rewards of meekness? Is there any real reason why someone would want to be meek? Well, friends, Jesus spells that out for us. He uses the word of the psalm we read earlier, when he says that the meek shall inherit the earth. What does that mean? In a sense, Jesus is looking forward or pointing forward to the, the coming of the messianic kingdom. It is the meek, the gentle of heart, who will have a place in God's kingdom. It is the meek who will, in, who will inherit or will be part of the new earth. It's the meek who will receive their share of that new earth. And the language that, that's used here points to a, a certain future, an assured future, a guaranteed future, not just a, a faint hope. Those with a gentle disposition, whose disposition is characterized by gentleness, are assured of their place in God's kingdom. 
no matter what happens in this life. Isaiah tells us that the meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord. If we look back to that psalm that we read earlier, we get a glimpse of what it, what it will look like for them in God's kingdom. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Now this psalm originally portrayed the peace that the Israelites would expect when they entered or took over the promised land. But Jesus applies this to the peace and the rest that our souls will experience, the meek will experience. Can you, can you imagine being able to delight yourself in abundant peace, eternally? Delighting in the peace of God, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes, this is what awaits the meek. Is this something to which you aspire? Is it something that you, that you look forward to with your whole heart? Friends, I think this is something to which we all look forward. I can't imagine anything better than, than being in the company of our magnificent Heavenly Father for all eternity, enjoying His peace. Can you? And as good as... i try that again. And as good and as fantastic as that promise of eternity with God is, we shouldn't forget that there's also very much a present aspect to this blessing in this beatitude. Salvation in Christ has indeed come. And the future blessing of the presence of God is secure. But friends, that blessing, that assurance, must also transform the way in which we live. We cannot and we must not live as the world lives. As this beatitude points out, it is the meek who are blessed. God has determined that meekness is a virtue that those wishing to enter the kingdom of heaven must possess. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit has worked in you to bring you to Christ. And he continues to work in you. He continues to enable you to, to live out what, what Christ has preached. Meekness is an outflowing of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Living it out draws us closer and closer to our mighty Saviour. Meekness is, the, is a proof of the fact that we've been saved. It's a demonstration of our sanctification. As an example of what this looks like in practice, just think for a moment of how materialistic our world is. People focus so much on, account, on accumulating or acquiring new and and more stuff to fill the voids in their lives. But such fulfillment, such contentment is very fleeting. There's always more needed, more money, a bigger house, a new car, perhaps a new spouse even. However, such contentment is short-lived. It's like mist fleeting before the, the rising sun. It cannot bring true happiness or contentment or peace or joy. But the person who is meek will experience hearing the applause of heaven and feeling the contentment of being approved by God. And that's so much better than the approval of others, so much better than the quickly fading contentment that earthly pleasures bring. Jesus' words, blessed are the meek, make it clear that the presence or lack of a meek spirit 
is an indication of our spiritual standing. Now we know that we are not perfect. None of us are. Our actions will not always be based on love. Meekness will not always be visible in our lives. The caressive meekness will not be a constant feature of our lives. But if our personalities are combative or argumentative, we need to be very aware that that may indicate we are not truly in Christ. If we are constantly grasping for power or authority or human praise, if we are putting our own interests first, we need to take very careful note that we are outside of God's will for our lives. If anger fills your soul so that your life is a series of explosions directed at others, you need to turn urgently back to God. If our relationships with others are characterized by a lack of gentleness, if we are perceived by others as being harsh or someone who is always looking to get our own way, then we need to approach God and ask for his forgiveness. Beloved in Christ, the gentle spirit is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that comes through grace. If we recognize any of these sorts of trust in ourselves, we have to, we have to cast ourselves before God, asking in humble prayer that he who gives us life will instill in us a spirit of meekness. And we can confidently do that. We can confidently do that. Because if we in sincerity and in humility ask him anything that is according to his will, he will do it. We need to pray for this continually because we all, all of us, need to grow in grace. Let me conclude with a paraphrase of the Christian author Kent Hughes who says, Jesus' words, that is, his demands for meekness, do not demand perfection. But if a gentle or meek spirit is not at least present in your life, if it is not budding and growing, you may very well not have the smile of Christ, which is everything. I say this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can come to you, come to you for instruction. The words that we have in your, in your word are indeed lamps to our feet and lights to our path. Give us willing hearts as well, hearts that are willing to listen to the teaching of your word. Through your Holy Spirit, let these words sink into our hearts so that we can live them as well. And Father, instill in us a spirit of meekness. Instill in us a spirit of gentleness, Lord. Help us to realize how deep the gulf is between what we are and what you want us to be. And then let that drive us to our knees in prayer, not only for forgiveness, Lord, but also for your, your arms of love to be around us, to guide us on the right path, the path of meekness, the path of love. And Lord, let that spirit of meekness 
blossom and grow in us to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.